0: Sam, we've left the cozy ACOS studio to come to my parents' dining room. Perfect. Even better. What? Even better. They, so should, uh,
2: they might should hire this out as a podcast studio. Yeah,
0: it might be a little echoey, but it doesn't matter.
2: Well, if it's echoey, that would just give a certain kind of, you know, reverbery dignity to our statements, you know, sound like we're in a church hall.
0: I put in some underscoring on the, under this bit, like some sort of Game of
2: Thrones soundtrack sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. It'll sound like we're in a cool cave or something. I have a funny anecdote to discuss with you, Sam. Oh, I love it when you say that to me whenever we're just <laughs> casually chatting. And I know mean that Some, something good's going to come.
0: So the other day I saw Logan Lucky with my sister and I went to the Odeon Kingston. You know how Odeon,
2: uh, all their employees on their name badges have to have their favourite film? Or at least, you know, just a film, right? Does it say my favourite film or does it just I've always a assumed it's my favourite. it would have just like any film. Just put a fi- or like they get identified or they get their names removed and it's like, you're not Lucy anymore. You are now you know fast and furious seven <laughs> that's just who you are
0: yo ff7 i need someone to walk the till um but this gentleman i've forgotten his name but his favorite film was the holy mountain the alejandro hodorowsky
2: weird psychosexual saga thing it's a deep from rut. the early 70s and i was he's like really out he's really out doing anyone else on in there isn't he like a lot of like fucking normies who love fight club and he's like yeah yeah you know He must hate working at Odeon, having to give out tickets
0: for like this commercial box office shit. Like, oh, oh, you're going to see Logan Lucky, a film with actors you've heard of by a director you're aware of. Fuck, there's your ticket. There's your seats up the stairs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It just amused me. But I liked liked the way he didn't, you know, he committed. He could have gone for something. Because I feel that when you have to pick your favorite film, it's something someone's going to ask you about. So it's a bit like, you know, not picking and saying the Beatles is your favourite band or something. Do you think they you know, have to have that
2: conversation there. a lot every day? Oh, Titanic, I, is that good? Like, I've that's a good your favourite film? Yeah, that's your favourite film. Did he look like, was he a sort of straggly-haired, uh, peyote... Uh, he had a beard, yeah. ...snorting kind of guy? He looked like a total hippie tosspot. A Did little sort like of
0: scrounging th- wasteman man on society, Nick. just... <laughs> With his fucking views and his marijuana,
2: did he look like the sort of guy who you'd expect to find up a holy mountain? Oh yeah, you know, enjoying the enjoying the holiness. <sighs> Absolutely,
0: but yeah, amused me no end.
2: Anyway, Danny, so what did, what did, what is this podcast? Give us a, give us a quick of event describe it to us.
0: Sure, certainly I can do that. So, Film Chats a podcast about a plucky young chap called Sam Foster and his best bro Danny Moran, and they're on a mission to track the end of a rainbow. Go with me. And they do that, and when they find the uh, end of the rainbow, they uh, they touch the sort of rainbow and they are transported to a magical realm of colours, and it's full of gold. And so they take some gold, they take three pieces of gold. That must have been what they were hoping to find, it's classic end of the rainbow stuff. Classic end of the rainbow stuff, they get the piece of gold, the moment they pick up the gold, they're transported back to Earth, and uh, Sam's grandfather sells one of the pieces of gold to a pawn shop for money. I give a piece of gold to a local street gang, hoping it will ingratiate me in their, in their gang. And they're just like, no, you can't be in the gang, but thanks for the gold. And we also keep a bit of gold. But then the colour starts to drain from the world and also photosynthesis stops working Uh-oh. and oxygen is depleting in the atmosphere. The world's going to die unless we return the gold to the rainbow, is what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of the classic 1996 film Rainbow directed by Bob Hoskins. wow where did you dig this one up i know this is in fact just a podcast where we talk about and review films i'm danny moran and joining me a man who when i gaze in his eyes i see every color of the rainbow
2: (laughs) (laughs) you came through sam foster (laughs) uh hi thanks that's a very beautiful description of me Um, it's Madcap Schemes Week on Film Chat, as we review two films about illegal money-making plots so elaborate and dangerous they make that time Homer scammed Springfield with an auto-dialer look like child's play. First we give our verdict on Logan Lucky, which is about a pair of West Virginian brothers pulling a heist on a NASCAR race, and not, as I was disappointed to discover, a cheerful remake of Logan in which everything just goes really well for Wolverine. You know, he gets it to that Mexican woman in time. She doesn't die. He's just sort of... Get on that boat. Yeah, he gambles a little bit. He just, you know, wins big. Uh, it builds a much more um, delicious and elaborate uh, sort of house for... <laughs> <laughs> a nice drum. Struggling struggling <laughs> to remember what happened in that movie. What the fuck happens? <laughs> yeah. He gets, a, he gets a fancier drum for uh, Professor X to live in. It's just a nice film. But it wasn't that. Uh, the other wild ruse is the real-life story of Barry Seal, an airline pilot who ran guns for Reagan and cocaine for Pablo Escobar, and also guns for Escobar, in American Made. Does it live up to its billing by The Sun's film critic Jamie East as Casino Meets War Dogs? Find out in my review. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, we also asked some major questions about the cinematic issues of the day, such as what's the lineup for the London Film Festival like? Is the dinner lady pimp Ed Scrine woke now? And did Christopher Nolan use slaves to work on Dunkirk? All that should leave just enough time for me to perform my latest single, a public apology to Taylor Swift called Look What I Made You Do. Uh, maybe that should be like, look what I made you do. Look what I made you do look what I made you do look what I made etc etc I just want to let her know that I took her latest diss track very seriously I'm really sorry that I made you do that Taylor and look if you need to talk the old Sam absolutely can come to the phone right now because he is very much alive anyway I'll expand on that message and the lyrics to the song please check out the lyrics video exclusively on bieber.com also available on geocities and livejournal.com slash film look what I made you do lyrics video dot com. That's it. That's it. It's my intro. <laughs>
0: Some exciting news we've had some activity on our youtube channel oh excellent. which i've been neglecting for many months now but it uh, was a period where i was uploading
2: all our reviews yeah we got some we got some views in uh, double digits right we got some double digit views on some stuff less so the reviews people aren't really single digits
0: single digits <laughs> uh <laughs> <That's> pretty low <laughs> um but a man who or a woman I don't know. I'm assuming, man, this may be a bit of a sexist assumption on my part, but a person who goes by the moniker NADS IQ commented on your review of John Wick Chapter 2. Okay, great. His first comment was, Lawrence brought back his
2: voice. Awesome. Um, well, that's I referring to Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, he brought his, he's certainly speaking It's a speaking role, so he did bring his voice. And his uh,
0: second comment is Wick using a compensator on his nine millimeter on Wick One was pretty retarded. It would make more <laughs> sense of using forty or forty-five cal.
1: <laughs> that's a
2: great comment. Oh, that's a fantastic comment to say. He's a lot of
0: Call of Duty, do you reckon. This, this, is, why, that nice? why? is that the same guy? Same. Twice? Same. I, I'm assuming it's a guy. I don't know. Women like guns as well. That's you know,
2: everyday sexism on my part there. I feel like it's almost certainly a man. I think it's, it's probably a gamer. He's a
0: bit of a gamer. Do you think him using the compensator on the 9mm was pretty retarded? I I
2: I ran out of time, actually, for that. I was going to say that in my review, but I just ran out of time. That's actually one of the lines that I'd written in my notes. Retarded Wick uses (laughs) compensator on his 9mm in Wick 1. Uh, But but NAD's IQ does not tell us whether he's using that in Wick 2, which is what the subject of the review was. What's what's the fucking compensator situation in Wick 2? Is that better? Is that more, like, well-informed? Yeah, we should comment and ask him to let us know about that. That man is John Wick. <laughs> retarded. <laughs> Using a compensator on his nine millimeter. Retarded. Yeah. So that was nice. That's good. That, since I feel like I've learned something. That's what when you're reading comments on your stuff, you don't want to just ha- you don't have haters. You know, you don't want just people like saying, "Oh fuck you, you fucking cunt." John Wick Two is the best film of the entire uh, millennium. Fuck off. You want someone who's going to teach you a few facts. Yeah. And now I can sound very clever on him, I'm at i my next dinner party with all my friends. They mentioned John Wick, and I'm like, well, I, I'm sure you liked it, but <laughs> there was a big problem with that movie, okay? With the compensator, the 9mm situation, absolutely retarded, nonsense. Wow. So thanks to Nads IQ, I'll be sending him a... Uh, I'll be asking him for his address so I can send him a little thank you note, because that's how few comments we get. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can get around to everyone. Yeah, we can get around to everyone. Uh, We also got a message from uh, Olivia Waring, Uh, very kind of her to to write in. She submitted to us the URL that she thought might be of interest, and it was. It's about um, Blade Runner 2049, the 2049th film in the Blade Runner franchise, and it's going to be fucking long. Apparently, it's going to be even longer than Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Good Lord. Good Lord, which is... What do you make of it, Danny? Well, I would say...
0: It's a sign of confidence, isn't it? Because usually, well, we haven't reviewed it, but one of the things that started the ball rolling on the dark tower was going to be a total turkey was that the running time was 90 minutes. And people were like, that's usually a sign that the studios got in and just slashed it down to the bare minimum. Because if it's a bad movie, it might as well be a
2: 90-minute bad movie as opposed to, um, you know... At least they people can get home for tea and, like, at a reasonable hour. So
0: I guess it's a sign of confidence that they're like, hey, it's going to, you know, take this long to tell the story. Yeah, also, so although,
2: like, uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is, like, long as hell, but they must have known that was a total turkey. Yeah. Although perhaps that was cut down, right? Because the director's cut us longer. Yeah, yeah. That probably was the cut to the bone. Break, they were like... <laughs> It it makes no sense, and if we cut it, like that is the absolute like as far as we can feasibly go with a nonsensical film, you know. Yeah. Any further than that, it's just pure montage, just like a total <laughs> dream sequence. Exactly,
0: and uh, I don't know. Dennis Villeneuve's style is very sort of languid. I would say he kind of soaks in his visuals. Yeah, he's got gu- he's got
2: long shots, long beautiful shots, very loud sounds.
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> loud sounds, long shots.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, what I'm expecting. Do you want to hear some comparisons? Certainly. There's some uh, running time comparisons here, just so that you and our listeners can put that figure into perspective. The last studio blockbuster to run this long was Interstellar, which was 169 minutes long. And the other 169 minute movie was The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. God. Takes them a long time to get going on that journey.
0: Why was that so late? I swear they got like like, five five chapters in in that
2: film. Yeah, I mean, like, they're already expanding quite a short book into three enormous films. Like, does it have to be one of the longest movies of all time? Uh, Captain America Civil War was only 147 minutes. The original Blade Runner was 117 minutes, so it's really a lot shorter than that. Uh, This is longer than The Wolf of Wall Street. It is longer than The Hateful Eight by one minute. And longer than The Revenant and longer than Silence. So, you know, it's a real bum number. Yeah, the thing is
0: also with the first Blade Runner, if it follows that atmosphere... I mean, I feel that that's a movie that feels longer than it is Blade Runner. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely <laughs> Because it's so sleepy and dreamy and I don't know. Yeah, and there's not that much. Maybe this one will be much more plot heavy.
2: A lot of Harrison Ford running in it. Well, you Get know. away from my family. It seemed like. My robot family. There's a lot of Harrison Ford running and a lot of Ryan Gosling looking very sort of sad and mournful and, and intense. He's very makes. good at that, though. That's his whole shtick, isn't it? like Villeneuve watched Only God forgave and he's like
0: bring me this man
2: bring him to me bring,
0: bring him to me for two and a half hours I like the way you can be still uh, with the neon lights looking at you perfect for my movie perfect in
2: this shot you were caught you're sitting in front of a table on the table there's some papers you're looking at them like what are these papers what do they say uh, that's about I think that's be most of the movie yeah sounds great can't wait superhero films announced casting rumours leaking out M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated Meryl Street Oscar tips Matt Damon's in a
1: viral vid Michael Bay's made a mint That's the news that's fit to
2: print It's Skrine, he's one of my favourite actors He is... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I don't know why... Why, why, why shouldn't he, he Why, he, why, you, why should not he be? <laughs> exactly why not uh, you may know Ed Skrine from the reboot of the Transporter movies the, the Transporter Refueled uh, or from Deadpool in which he played the villain he's got a particular thing he was also in Game of Thrones before they recast him for being too good he was uh, <laughs> just blowing away everyone else and they had to uh, had to replace him he's got a particular thing he just sort of looks really bloody pleased with himself and delivers all his lines basically the same way he's kind of like yeah yeah that's right that's okay. quite a good Skrine impression yeah yeah mm. Anyway, Ed Skrine, so he he was recently cast as uh, someone called Major Ben Daimyo in the or remi- well, an upcoming reboot of the Hellboy series. And I was very excited to hear it. I want I want, I want some more Scrine. I feel like I haven't seen him around. But he has pulled out of the role for the reason that the, the character in the original stories is Japanese American, and Ed Skrine is just neither Japanese nor American, and he was worried about whitewashing. There's obviously been a lot of whitewashing scandals in Hollywood recently. And he released this statement on Twitter. Last week it was announced that I'd be playing Major Ben Daimyo in the upcoming Hellboy reboot. I accepted the role, unaware that the character in the original comics was of mixed Asian heritage. There has been intense conversation and understandable upset since that announcement, and I must do what I feel is right. It is clear that representing this character in a culturally accurate way holds significance for people, and that to neglect this responsibility would con- would continue a worrying tendency to obscure ethnic minority stories and voices in the arts. I feel it is important to honor and respect that. Therefore, I have decided to step down so the role can be cast appropriately. Good for... B- Good for B- you. B- I mean, I think, like... Is that unprecedented? I don't think I've ever heard of such a thing. Like, you didn't tell me this guy wasn't white. Yeah. I quit. I mean, it's very cool that he does it, but... Is it sort of cynical of me to have immediately wondered, do you just not want to do this movie and change your mind, you know? And this is like a good woke way. I mean, which it wouldn't even be that bad because it's a good message, even if he just didn't want to do it anyway. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that he's sending out that signal because it is, a you know, an important thing. Uh, but it just, yeah.
0: Well, there was a bit of a backlash before he made this statement. How many him.
2: fucking haters on Twitter got like, maybe, you know, it works. Like, it just you, works. Atting people works. And it's so strange, though, because it's not like he's, you know, box office gold or whatever.
0: It could, be like, anyone could play that role. Yeah. So it's yeah, a yeah. bit like, it's just, I guess it just, you know, indicates a certain mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, way of thinking or lack of thinking that. It's just like, white is the default. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why not get a Japanese-American actor? I'm sure they exist. Yeah, I don't think anyone's have seen them in any not, films, but... Uh, no one's
2: going to see that movie purely because Ed Skrind's in it, except for me. I think I'm the only person <laughs> who would do that. Not other fans of his rapping career as the Din Lady Pimp. Um, Yeah, and also he isn't... I feel like, like he has not been... Uh, roles haven't been coming out of his wazoo, if you see what I mean. Yeah. You know, like... It's not like he's constantly being offered roles in major movies. So I don't know. Maybe he's got another great smirking part that's coming along next and he knows that he's going to land on his feet. And also this puts, this is good because it puts pressure on the filmmakers to choose someone who is Japanese-American to replace him. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's good for that reason. If he was just quitting and was like, "Oh, well, you know, I just don't want to do this movie. It seems stupid. Then they could recast anybody. But now it'd be very hard for them to not to cast someone in line with the original ethnicity of the character.
0: I mean, especially because the leaders is a giant red hell beast, you know, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: like if it's even like the original
0: Hellboy, it's like one of them's a fish, one of them's, you know what I mean? It's like it's quite a sort of
2: anything goes yeah yeah yeah. there's really no excuse for it not to be diverse it's not that they're like oh you know this is the white supremacist comic that would be okay you know i don't know what my point is here but well just i like guess like if it was you know a very culturally specific film about you know yeah, yeah yeah i don't know small town america or something where everyone is white you know but it's not it's just a it's just an anything goes um, nonsense film
0: well as far as we know it could be the most important film of next year Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. In other news, the London Film Festival lineup has been announced. What? 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 All the, you know, hot Directors and actors are coming into London for the 10-day period, and they're showing lots of exciting movies. Excellent, Danny. Take me through some of the stuff they're showing.
2: I don't know what they're
0: showing. You don't know what they're showing? I am excited for The Florida Project, which is the new film by Sean Baker. He did Tangerine, that movie shot on iPhones. I'm excited for Shape of Water, the new Del Toro movie. He's done with Hellboy. You know, I've got no time for that. I'm making another film about weird monsters in labs. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: much better. Yeah. Well, uh, it sort of looks like an Abe Sapien Origins movie. Right? Yeah. He so. falls in
0: love with someone in the 50s. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited for Lean On Pete, which is a new movie by Andrew Haig, who did 45 Years. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm excited for You Were Never Really Here, uh, the new Lin Ramsey movie with Joaquin Phoenix.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I saw a um, saw a, a, a still from that upcoming movie, and I really thought it was from um, "I'm Still Here," <laughs> because it's like well, I like, know we talked to before about how all these movies have the same fucking title, but he's yeah. like got this huge beard. Yeah, yeah, he's full on. Uh, it, yeah, he's like that's a gone to seed, role. Uh, Phoenix.
0: Yeah, um, but that looks great. And the new movie by the director of Leviathan, Andre Zavaginsev, Zv- Zv- very good. Loveless is playing. Yeah, lots of cool movies. One of the cool things about London Film Festival is that it doesn't really have that many premieres. It's stuff that's played at Cannes or Venice or Telluride. So I feel like already the hot tickets have been sorted. Yeah, so you if you want to be a bit selective show. with your film tickets, so if you don't have a press pass like myself, I can see any movie I like, whenever I want, and uh, you're just looking to see a few movies, yeah. you can, you know, have a good... Um, like all real I film damn.
2: journalists, we like to boast a lot about. I like to boast a lot I see real. films for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, it's an exciting lineup. I'm hoping to uh, hobnob with some, you know. I didn't last time. I didn't like do any celeb spottings. I think this year I'm going to go to all the networking stuff and you be did like some
2: critic spottings there, right? You saw Robbie Collin out there. You I saw, saw Robbie Brad, Collin, out Robbie there. Robbie
0: Collin dresses
2: like a child. I'm gonna, I want to say that. Take me know. through his get-up when you spotted him.
0: I was watching Tony Erdman and he's quite a, he's a huge guy Robbie Cole. he must be like s- six, five or something so he isn't the size of a child he's the size of a <laughs> size of a huge man but he was wearing like this Spider-Man long sleeve t-shirt where like the sleeves were like blue and then like the main one was like it was like a it was like a kid shirt you know if that was like in, it's like you know if you go to a shop and they've got like, the kids department they've just like snap some Marvel stuff on it's you like know. a sort of child's pajama top Exactly, that's the one. Charles pajamas top. Maybe it was his pajamas. It was quite early in the morning. He just like rolled out of bed, got in a cab. Yeah. Me a a. and I might have to study that. I'm becoming uncomfortably horny. <laughs> description. So I saw him. I saw Tim Roby of also of the Telegraph. He just looked like a normal man. What was he wearing? He was wearing um... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> let me re- let me rephrase that. Who was he wearing? He was wearing uh, je- jeans, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> this was a year ago. And, and a shirt. Did you catch a sort of uh, whiff of his uh, cologne? Was he, Did he have a nice scent that day? He was wearing Lynx Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I could recognize him anywhere. Not very classy. I believe that Lynx Africa is the chosen um, scent of... Uh, uh, who's that Sky News presenter? Eamon Holmes.
0: Oh shit! Yeah, on Christmas Day. He's on like, Christmas Day, he was tweeting like, about it. My
2: beautiful children have bought me uh, Lynx Africa, and I'm I'm gonna smell great or something like that. That was his tweet on Christmas Day. God, that's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> like, how much money did they give him to endorse?
0: Well, and who's like looking for Eamon Holmes for like deodorant <laughs> tips?
2: Smell like Holmes. <laughs> smell like Holmes. <laughs> smell like Eamon Holmes. You too can smell like Eamon Holmes with Lynx Africa. Why the fuck is it called that? By the way. What is it, like a Serengeti smell or something like no, it's a weird. Like why are you naming your perfume after a continent? Try, try <laughs> Lynx Australasia. Another exotic smell <laughs> for a schoolboy.
0: It smells like the giraffes. <laughs> the elephants. <laughs> the, apes, the apes. The people. <laughs> the blood diamonds. <laughs> Whatever you associate with Africa, all in one can. Yeah, so it's
2: going to be exciting. Sam, have you got your press pass yet? Have yeah. you applied to get
0: Everyone's one? Everyone's applied for it. Yeah. Oh, Don't I mean, buddy, come on! Come I've in. been
2: very, I've been very, very busy. Right, I've been, I've been lying around sleeping. <laughs> a lot day. Uh, I've been playing a lot of games. I've been playing a lot of chess. Yeah, I've been very busy. Right? I got, I got a to of deer. Right? Sure, okay. Fucking look. I put enough effort into this podcast. I, I sit here and talk with no preparation whatsoever, oh, right. and okay. have no idea what I'm talking about. But when
0: me, you know, Joaquin and Lynn are just hanging out, and I see you through the glass of the cafe, and you're just like just waving at me yeah. in the rain, I'd be like, and I just hold who's up my the, Who's that guy?
2: Who the fuck is this? Who's this fucking loser? I don't know. I'm not I, with him. I'm not he? with him. He's the, he's not the host of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm sorry about that guy, Lynn. Sorry. You sorry. Him. <laughs> I used to go to school with him. Just ignore him. Just ignore him. He'll Lynn. go away if we don't look at him. Don't look at just him. Don't look at him. him, don't, look at him. Don't, don't make eye contact. Guys I mean, are great. We need to not talk about Sam, <laughs> Lynn, <laughs> and she'd laugh. She'd do it. She'd do she'd a laugh. lovely, a lovely, charmed laugh. Yeah, and uh, just take you under her wing. Um, you know, and make you'd work for Lynn Ramsey, and I'd be fucking doing this podcast by myself. BMC shit, I'm talking about films that I paid to see like a chump. Yeah. Looks like Sam's got a film to review, he's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Okay, American Made. This is the new movie by Doug Lyman, the guy who directed uh, The Born Identity and uh, a bunch of other... Swingers? A bunch of other films. Swingers and various other things. It stars Tom Cruise as a guy called Barry Seal, who's a real dude. And he's an airline pilot who is recruited by the CIA to take aerial surveillance of communist guerrilla training camps in South America. And then there's a series of crazy events and meetings that leads him to become the center of a very elaborate web of money, guns, and drugs. He becomes a kind of professional um, smuggling criminal guy who works for both Ronald Reagan and Pablo Escobar. It's pretty wild stuff. Here is a clip of him talking to Jorge Ochoa, I'm not sure how that name is pronounced, he's a member of the Medellin Cartel which is Escobar's cartel, and he is getting into the cocaine smuggling business.
1: Thank you for coming to see me. Sir, I I think there's been some sort of mistake here because I, uh, these fellas just picked me up at the airport. No, no, no mistake, just please, have a seat, coffee Mr. Seal, you know my name? It's a gringo who flies to Central America every week. Taking pictures very low with your fancy plane. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, those photos, see, I have a uh, aviation company here yes. in South America. Yes, AIC. I, uh, I see, yes, sir. Or is it CIA? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just a businessman here. I'm a businessman. Imports, exports, cattle. Horses. But now, now God above has blessed this great country with new riches, Mr. Seal. And you could help us. How's that? You know the routes. You can get in and out of Estados Unidos with your fancy plane. Well, what, what kind of riches are we talking about here?
2: So, I enjoyed this movie. It sort of follows the model of other kinds of real-life, crazy, self-made men tales that get into crime and then eventually fall. Movies like Blow and The Wolf of Wall Street, and, or they even films like Scarface, you know, that are kind of like semi-cautionary tales about getting in over your head, but also movies about how great it is to make tons of money and live a wild... The, the, dark, side side wild the, dream, the right? dark side of the American dream, right? The dark side of the American dream, that's exactly it. And... Uh, I was expecting something that was kind of a mess, and it is. But I still enjoyed it rather more than you know I thought I would. It's partly because it's a great true story. I, I'm sure that the movie you know fictionalizes it to a very significant extent. But like just the bare facts of the case are pretty remarkable. It's the sort of like recklessness of the American dark state is the kind of thing that's being explored, and that lends the movie an, a neat kind of political critique that gives it a bit of a focus rather than a film like Blow, the Johnny Depp movie that's also about a cocaine smuggler gets super rich. Because Barry Seal, the main guy, he's a very sort of large and like character, but he becomes a kind of symbol for the amorality, but also like haplessness of American imperialism. It's all about them meddling in South America um, as they sort of fight a um, proxy war with the Soviets over those you know uh, communist regimes in South America, or Central America, I should say. But just in a kind of rather incompetent and ridiculous way. His CIA handler is played by Donald Gleason, And uh, it's quite neat the way that they're both these guys who are basically like chancers. And, yeah. and I like the way in which he becomes wealthy... Partly through ingenuity, but also largely through just being in situations and just saying yes to people. It's like, you <laughs> want me to smuggle cocaine? Sure thing. Like, you want me to smuggle guns? Like, why not? I don't care. Like, just totally, completely amoral, just agreeing to do awful things. And it just makes him really wealthy. Tom Cruise is really good in it. A lot of the reviews have concentrated on the fact that it's a kind of return to form for Cruise or something, or it's his best performance in a long time. And I think, although it is a very good performance, but it's also uh, a lot is down to the fact that it's just a role that really suits him. He's got that kind of constantly wired energy and this real glint of madness in his eye that you can never scrub away. (laughs) So when he's playing straightforwardly heroic characters, it doesn't uh, quite work, especially if he's like 25 years too old for the role. Um, But in this this case, because he's playing more of an anti-hero and somebody who has to be, you know, sort of reckless to like an absurd degree, and he has this kind of unwavering self-belief that just propels him through like any situation. It becomes a kind of anchor for the movie's chaos. It feels like it's been edited to death, uh, which I actually <laughs> think turns out to be quite a good thing because, for one thing, it's just under two hours long, which is you know not a short movie, but it's a lot. It's shorter than a lot of these cut types of movies, which are like the episodic real life stories where they felt like they had to cram too many crazy real events in and so it just drags and i feel like there was an initial edit of this film which was like that probably yeah but instead you just end up with bits like montages of the movie where you just see snippets of what you feel like must have been longer sequences because like why would they bother to dress that set (laughs) like (laughs) you know it all seems a bit too elaborate for uh, it to just be this completely throwaway thing and it's all a bit messy but cruise kind of holds it together and just by sheer force of will. Just by sheer force of will, exactly. And um, and it kind of suits the general seat of your pants life that he was living. Another thing I liked about the movie is that these types of films often illustrate somebody's sort of descent into uh, wild criminal hedonism by sort of slathering prostitutes everywhere and also making him just routinely unfaithful leading to a rather unrewarding female role for his wife, who has to sort of just get really upset because he's, you know, cheating people because it's much money. Uh, and this movie does not go down that easy route, which I just found to be kind of a relief. He's got quite a <laughs> strong marriage. <laughs> um, and his wife is, you know, uh, shares his outlook to a significant extent. And I was just like, you know, I mean, yeah. I know it's a small point, but it was just sort of a relief there. No, no, that sounds good. It just felt a bit more uh, of a mature, like, way to make the movie and not just like be like you know what happens when people get rich like there's just dollar bills flying everywhere and like there's <laughs> loads of people you know in thongs sort of dancing about Um, so they do that which i liked the kind of throw everything at the wall directorial style does feel a bit like made up on the fly and i don't know if this is a conscious choice or a result of like editing sweet stuff or what exactly but it reminded me a bit of the big shorts you know when like uh, in that movie, they feel like you're going to lose, you know, interest in the film at yeah. any second because there's too much boring financial jargon. So it's just going to be constant stuff, like new ideas. This bit's animated. This bit's like it's a talk to camera, you know, that kind of thing. And this movie has a bit of that, which is a little bit sort of haphazard. And I think that the tone of it, it's extremely, it just zips along and it's very loose and just is kind of fun, fun, fun for most of it which is good in some ways it makes the movie very watchable but also makes it feel a bit disposable and it loses any chance of having like pathos you know because it's extremely serious what's going on you know and this guy is a real person but you're never really in danger of being that emotionally invested in it because the whole thing is a bit of a cartoon yeah in that reality was obviously very cartoonish in this instance but you don't, there doesn't, there's no real weight to the real world events because it just sort of is like, hey, 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 another crazy <laughs> day in the life of Barry Seal. Um, but it's good. It's got quite a good supporting cast. Jesse Plemons turns up for about two seconds and like he does a really good job of feeling like there's an entire, he, you know, he spent months working on this whole character <laughs> and he has about two scenes and like, you know, no uh, more lines. But than he that. nails it. And he just nails it. Um, classic and, yeah, and Donald Gleason is quite good it's this like shit eating um, CIA guy uh, yeah and there's like a lot of a lot of stuff like that and I just I just thought it was quite good you know it's like in- incisive enough and it feels like it knows what it is enough yeah and the the generally um, slightly thrown together feeling of it kind of just about works uh, and there's some uh, you know good sequences in it Cruise cool. is very entertaining presence and yeah yeah I, I'd, I'd recommend it <laughs> Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review
1: shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? And all is on. The guys are in, so let the chat begin.
0: one fun zippy caper to another logan lucky which is the new film from steven Soderbergh, the guy he'd retired he retired made 20 hours of prestige drama got a bit bored and came back to uh make a film he has previously made the oceans trilogy and also films like erin Brockovich and traffic and the solaris remake and sex lies and videotape he's an interesting director and in they seems to have found a way to sort of cross the art house commercial divide and this film feels like somewhere much more in the commercial end of his oeuvre brother.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, I think like it straddles that in yeah. a way because it feels a bit like a Cohen's movie. So, yeah,
0: Absolutely. And so the plot is that Channing Tatum and uh, Adam Driver play brothers who are down their luck. Uh, Adam Driver uh, did two tours in Iraq and lost his arm. And Channing Tatum is a minor who has just been laid off because he's had a pre-existing condition. But uh, the mining job was to fill in the sinkholes in the NASCAR racing track. And he gets the idea that on the race day, they can tunnel in and take the money that has been funneled down to the vault uh, during that weekend. And to do so, they need to enlist the help of Daniel Craig, who is a demolition expert, but he is currently incarcerated and a sort of fun keeper heist movie in shoes. Here's a clip of Adam Driver and Channing Tatum discussing uh, the crime.
1: Yesterday, as you were leaving the bar, you said the word cauliflower. That's right. I didn't. The last time you said that word to me, I ended up getting sent down for six months. It was juvie. I was 13. And you were supposed to be the lookout, now, weren't you? Being that I was your kid brother, I let you lead me into trouble with all your crazy cauliflower plans. My life of crime is over. But you did make breakfast this morning. even burned the bacon like I like it and you ate. I also saw you have some sort of robbery to-do list. I know this attempt to be organized is a big step for you, so go. Charlotte Motor Speedway.
0: So I really enjoyed it. I think I went in with sort of medium expectations and it, it excelled them. It has been compared to a Coen Brothers movie and I think it's more a case of that both the Coen Brothers and this film are kind of drawing from Ealing comedies yeah, and it's yeah. like a group of underdogs or inept people trying to pull off some kind of plan that it might be a bit beyond their pay grade. But unlike um, the Coen Brothers and the Ealing comedies, it hasn't got that vein of nihilism and it's very sweet and good-natured and there's a genuine affection for everyone in the film which kind of wins you over.
2: Yeah, well they it it's it's on the side of the characters. Yeah. They're not like anti-heroes, they're just heroes. Like you're not encouraged to laugh at their buffoonery, you know, as much.
0: Yeah. And as that clip shows, there's definitely it definitely leans into the funny accents, but I think it's on the right side of caricature where the the humor is mainly from the characters not the way they talk. And yeah. even though every once in a while there's a, you know, it kind of leans into the sort of just Daniel Craig saying naked is quite funny.
2: Yeah, well, Um, I was sort of wondering this while watching the movie. I was like, how much am I supposed to be laughing at the Hicks? And then by the end of the movie, I realized not. And then I was like, and then I liked it much better. Yeah. You know, Um, I mean, there is a certain like guys dressing up like Hollywood stars. Like, what if you were from the South? You know, there's a bit of that.
0: Well, everyone's doing a performance. Yeah. You know,
2: they're not hitting it. Everyone's got a bit of
0: shtick. Yeah. And I would compare it to a movie like it's like a good version of an American hustle style film where everyone's having a good time, but just feels like you've been invited to the party. And I think part of that reason that is, is that it's a heist movie, which necessitates a lot of plot. So it can't really be too indulgent, because the mechanics of the plot have to click in. And so scenes have to be kind of quick, and stuff has to keep on moving, which is good. And like I think I just like the general formula of heist movies, where it's like, you got to assemble the team, they got to go through the plan, the plan goes wrong... It gotta you know yeah, yeah, all that yeah. stuff is just makes for great movies.
2: I think I think part of what makes it really work inside that framework is that it's got a s- above average quality of plot construction. I think it's very well built, the sort of all the high stuff. And it's also quite unpretentiously presented, the movie. Like it's quite uh I don't know, I don't know how to say this in a way that um sounds informative, but it's just a very like straightforward film that just lays everything out and doesn't yeah. seem too pleased with itself. And so it's basically, the thing that's good about it is it's basically as smart as it thinks it is. And it's not some (laughs) sort of like hustle style con film where like the plot is utterly ridiculous, but the whole movie is like oozing with cool the entire time and demanding that you think it's awesome. And instead it's just, uh, here's the stuff that happens basically. It's fun, but it's like, it doesn't, it's not trying to like whack you over the head with how ingeniously constructed it is, but it is actually very cleverly constructed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's got a like, kind of throwback quality to it, and it kind of reminded me of sort of 70s heist movies like The Taking of Pelham 123, in that heist movies necessitate a lot of like functional characters. There's got to be security guards and people who, like the bank clerk and stuff, but they've all got like a bit of shtick. They're yeah. like kind of sitcom characters that have been sort of. So, like the prison warden has got like a whole sort of like story that justifies his mode with him. <laughs> of yeah. him, even though he's purely a functional character. And uh, just across the board, the performances are really good. I really like Channing Tatum. He's suddenly become. He used to be that handsome guy from Step Up, but he's like a proper leading man and just like anchors the whole thing. He's really good, yeah. And he's. I think his
2: his accent is the wonkiest, I (laughs) think. I think he's the one who like spent the least time with his accent coach. And he's like, yeah, I can do this, you know. I'm from (laughs) Lansell. I'm just kind of a doll, blah, blah, blah. You know. And,
0: uh,. Adam Driver continues to be the best thing in any movie he's, yeah, he's in. fucking great. Love it. And Love it. I really like Riley Keo as well as their sister. And Daniel Craig, I think he's like, I've got a character to play.
2: Thank God. It's been a decade. Yeah, I can do it. He's loving it. And, he's, and he, I feel like he, he was pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's got a history of very wonky accent stuff, but I thought he did a pretty good job in this movie. There's a bit in it where he like pours salt on a hardball egg and eats it. And he, there was more acting in that than in like the entire Bond franchise to date. <laughs> He's putting more effort into eating that hardball deck than just like any of his Bond shit. I think, yeah, he was alive. And, like, unlike, even the sort of little parts have a lot of like charm to them. Hilary Swank ends up in it, and uh, yeah, just Catherine. I didn't know Catherine Waterston was going to be in the movie, and like, she kind of was like, ah, oh, Catherine Waterston, yeah, and she's great in it.
0: Yeah, I would say that it's like, there's definitely, if you think about it too much, there's like a few loose ends, not in the ice. Heist- aspect but just like, like the Catherine Waterston she's like in it for like one scene well,
2: and I it feels sort of, a bit like I was sort of wondering when she was going to come back and then she did at least she did once you know yeah yeah but yeah
0: but that kind of feels I'm I read the Empire review and it said like it felt like it was one draft away from being like very memorable and I mean that's maybe true like it's a very it's kind of breezy
2: movie but uh yeah I just thoroughly enjoyed it I, I, I liked it really leans into the absurdity of these types of movies in a way that I found very pleasing and I think like once it kind of clicks into place what type of film it is and, like, where things are going, I just found it very satisfying. And it was... I think I really enjoyed the feeling of being won over by the movie and that at the start of it, I wasn't quite sure how this is all going to come together. And then, like, when it, when it starts to lay out what it's doing, it yeah. was, like, the best version of what it could have been, basically. I really liked it.
0: Oh, I do have one quibble, yeah. which is... Steven Soderbergh cast Don Cheadle as a cockney in Ocean's Eleven. Everyone made fun of him. And for some reason, he's hired Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family oh gosh, Guy, yeah. to play like a British billionaire, doing the worst
2: accent. It's I don't know so if it's like bad. deliberately bad yeah, yeah. or... I but he's know. doing... I thought he was, he's trying to do a kind of Richard Branson thing, right? He's this kind of like... He's Richard Branson, but he looks like one of the 118 guys. Yeah. And and it's just fucking unbearable. I hated it. I just don't understand how, like, his career is as a comedian, right? He's like, I don't know, He's desperately not, unfunny. He's a very unfunny guy, I think. He's like, like a tadpole. In person. It. He's really boring looking. Yeah, he's boring what,
0: sounding. That's what Georgia Mills once said to me. He looks like a smug tadpole. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's
2: quite a good... Good description. Yeah. He really captures his essence. Yeah, he sucks in it. They should have got Dan Stevens for that role. Oh, my God. Yeah. They <laughs> like, absolutely should have got Dan It's got to just, you
0: know... Hollywood is a wash of British actors, right? You can't fucking move for them. Maybe, Every TV maybe that's, show... And- maybe
2: that was why he thought it was funny, is because everyone in the film is doing a stupid accent that they can't quite do. Yeah. Like, you know, you got Daniel Craig. He's British, but he's doing a ridiculous southern accent. And yeah. Seth MacFarlane's going to be doing, Hello, I'm, I'm a British billionaire. Hello.
0: Yeah, like and then that. it goes a bit Australian occasionally because it's called.
2: How dare you? I'm from. Oh, I'm in a stupid hick bar
0: But that aside, had a
2: great time. Yeah, me too. My favourite film stars Bridget Barthel. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends, and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Slave news now. So, um,. Chris sent us a weekly segment, Slave News. Slave News. I hope you enjoyed my special Slave News jingle that I did. Chris sent us a link to a tweet, which I'm always excited to read, what, what the latest tweet is that he's pointing me towards. There's a Dunkirk companion book about the making of Dunkirk, and here is a lovely little snippet from it. The amount of work needed led to some interesting collaborators. This, is, you know, this will make sense as I go on. The big fenders on the ships, they use giant rubber balls nowadays, but back then they were made out of rope woven in thick hemp. We had to make about 10 of them. They found a Dunkirk man who had re-rigged a ship for a local museum. He knew how to weave these bumpers, and he employed prison labor to make them. First-time offenders, kids, they weren't hardcore criminals. I hope the producers know, Gary adds, because we saved a lot of money that way. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, following on from the sort of minor scandal when it turned out that Hillary Clinton had uh, prisoners cleaning her yard when she was uh, with the wife of the governor in Alabama, turns out slave labor was also used uh, for Dunkirk.
0: Didn't that maybe cost, like,
2: 200 million dollars? They couldn't
0: find anything. Yeah, like... Could they not just... Yeah, I think... They, like, rebuilt, like, fucking planes and, like, the IMAX cameras and, like, how much money is, like, being burned every second? The
2: biggest boat scene in history. Jesus. I mean, this is, like, the thing that's bad about this is, like you know when you have obviously you know if you have if prisons exist then it's obviously good to have prisoners doing constructive things but it should be things that help them rehabilitate into society or give them skills or in some way enable them to uh, rejoin this, society this is an important skill as citizens when they leave it's not just like a source of cheap labor for a fucking like any random person it's like can we just get some prisoners actually you know we don't have to pay them because they're in prison and their you know freedom has been taken from them and can we just have them do this i love if that was their line of defense is like well they're learning an important skill you know how to make
0: hemp ropes which engine. haven't been used in a hundred years <laughs> that's literally the entire point
2: <laughs> Ancient rope that no one else can make. Or some fucking, like, shit benders that are utterly useless... Don't worry, Dunkirk is such a hit that they'll be, they'll, they'll be like a Harry Potter-style massive film industry that will grow out of uh, World War One Dunkirk World. Dunkirk World. <laughs> and uh, these guys can, you know, once their sentences are complete, they're only first-time offenders, uh, they can then become professional fucking bender makers. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the other interesting part of the story. they were first, first first first-time offenders. offenders. First time. I don't know why you're so bothered about us using uh, prison, but They're fucking 1st Like, what difference does that actually make? Does it seem like any better or worse if they had only used hardcore murderers to uh wow well, i guess you could
0: take the line of argument that like well if they're like the worst they should not work for money and yeah. like these people are s- the scum of the earth and so they you... just spend their time doing hard labor You're making right. shit yeah exactly. whereas like if it's just some guy's gone down for you know possession of weed or something you know, if
2: the warden already has them digging in and refilling holes in the yard because you know they're too rowdy <laughs> or whatever then, uh, why not? Oh, don't worry, There are only pedophiles. We only used pedophiles for this, so like, don't worry about it. Yes, that's like, it's we fine. Just, we really missed we, it. We missed, we did mistreat people, but they were people who you'd want to be mistreated. You can enslave the worst people in you society, can enslave the it's absolute fine. worst people. That is completely fine. Yeah. How about why don't they get like. If you've been sentenced to like community service or something, is that, I mean, is that okay? Because if you, you're just doing, but no, those guys are doing They're like picking stuff. up litter stuff, right? Like, and that's what's community service. Yeah. It's not just like work for fucking Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> work for Christopher Nolan's service. service. <laughs> you've been sentenced to 1,000 hours Nolan service. You will work on his latest epic. It definitely sort of just
0: adds to this idea that Christopher Nolan is like, can do anything, right? No one says no to him. He's like this sort of royalty.
2: We've saved Uh, you pennies, Lord Nolan. Lord (laughs) Nolan, for your extra
0: big cameras.
2: (laughs) We decided we've foregone any payment just to serve you, Lord Nolan. Did he just like, did he sort of tell something like this, you know, he was running out of money and he was just like, someone was like, we don't have enough money to make these like shit banners." He was like, make it happen. (laughs) I am Nolan. I spent all week complaining about one of the black hole shots in DeStella because it wasn't scientifically accurate, and you can make these benders for $5. Do it. Do it. Do it. Make it done. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> He's a very sort of uh, Darth Sidious type, isn't he? He's like the yes. Darth Sidious of the, of the film You world. were confused about a great midi things. <laughs> 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 okay. So we have to... Call, he's he's he, Chris Nolan. another known Slave Master Nolan now. Slave Master Nolan. As yeah. I shall be referring to him Fucking from now on. Problematic. I will not be buying the VHS of Dunkirk. I will not be downloading it. I will not be buying the companion book for Dunkirk. I'll not be advising my friends to see the film. I, my relationship with Dunkirk is finished. The only thing I'm going to be doing is pirating it a lot. Good for you. Thanks, man. Yes. Uh, and that's the end of this week's film chat. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Next week... Review some more films. I don't know what sound. Oh, we're going to be reviewing some gonna be films. Just going to be watching some films.
2: See options. There's Detroit. Oh, yeah. I hear That's good. If you want to see some, you know, brutal uh, police violence. that's, that's Do new, I? That's the movie <laughs> for you. Woo. Um, don't know. Anything else? What is that? We're working We're out, working Don't out. Worry. We're working out. professional outfit. I want you all to have a fantastic week. Stay cool. Make sure that you wear cool clothes and act really cool all the time. Wear shades indoors. Wear it shades looks awesome. indoors. Yeah, wear leather trousers everywhere. Be cool. See you then. Goodbye. Bye.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't get a real job. <laughs> Much too late for that. This was a, a pleasure for me. I, I mean, we've been talking for a while about, about putting it together and finally had a script that really felt right to me. And I was delighted to have a chance to work with the, the kid. What's his <laughs> name? Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Denny Villeneuve uh, was a fantastic choice for a director. At a ball, really fun. Hold up.